everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, August 23rd, 2015. I was fired up last week. <laughs> you guys were fired up last week. Everybody was talking about the big Harding twist. I was not real shy about saying how I felt about the whole thing. To me, it just feels like a tacked-on ending to a story that is drug out for so, so long. And I'm not mad about it, but I have feelings about it. And there's a part of me that wasn't sure how you guys were going to react to me being so critical about it. And I'm just tickled to know that you guys were on the same page, for the most part, with me. I put a poll up at yrchat.com as I do every week, and the poll question was, how did you feel about the big Harding twist? And there were three options to choose from. It was loved it, hated it, and whatever. And it, I, it just... I'm, it was so funny to me to go in and look at the results and 22% of people said loved it, loved the twist, which I think is awesome. I'm glad that people are enjoying the storyline. Like that actually helps me enjoy it more so that I don't become so cynical. Uh, but 30% of the people said I hated it. <laughs> and the 48%, half of the people said whatever, which is kind of how I feel about this whole thing. I almost... I feel like YNR has tested my suspension of disbelief a little bit too much lately. And so, I, you know, I don't want to become too cynical about the show, but there's, I've got a huge whatever factor going on for this whole thing. I want it to be wrapped up and we're getting there this week. The big, um, sort of cliffhanger for Friday's show, Marco was sitting locked and loaded with a gun, sitting in Victor's chair in his office. He's just lured Jack and uh, Phyllis following, uh, um, and not his intention, but lured Jack into the office uh, to meet him and we, we get the impression that Marco's gonna just, in cold blood, murder Jack, take his life, and think that no one's gonna know any better. But, Harding has been developing a consciousness. I mean, or a conscience, excuse me. Um, I mean, why did he not develop this after the murders? <laughs> I mean, and I suppose he has, but he comes kind of riding into the rescue. It's weird. Harding is not quite the bad guy that maybe we're supposed to think he is. That's another reason why I just, I like the character. And I think I'm disappointed with this twist largely because I like Harding. I think the guy's a good actor. I think the character had loads of potential. So I'm kind of bummed out that he's turned sour, but I liked that at least he had this conscience that was starting to, to come up in him, and he wanted to try to at least thwart Marco from doing anything else that was going to cause any more bloodshed. Um, since the police were there, Jack and Phyllis got escorted out of the building, and instead of them walking into the room with, uh, with Marco locked and loaded, it was Harding. Uh, and they have this confrontation where uh, Harding is trying to convince Marco to just chill out um, and Jack is trying to convince Harding to help him finish the job and make sure Jack I guess gets killed and why not at this point Harding's killed two people and Harding is not having it um, it's clear that this little conspiracy between these two is unraveling very fast all of a sudden, I mean, basically out of nowhere, I think the cliffhanger for Monday's show was Marco taking his gun and just, I mean, in one fluid motion, just boom, bringing it, pointing it on Harding and just like, is he going to shoot? I mean, it, he seemed so resolved. And uh, like, I honestly, at the cliffhanger at the end of Monday's show, thought, Weiner's just going to kill Harding. I thought maybe that would just be the justice, the wrapping up of the story, because it is rapidly building momentum. I mean, considering it's taken this long to get to this point, they are certainly moving along fast now. And I thought, is this guy going to end up dead? And no! <laughs> Open up on Tuesday's episode. It was a complete letdown. Marco shot Harding. Oh, he shot him. But in the arm... <laughs> 
Was I the only one that was really let down by that? I, I, uh, I'm going to assume not uh, because, shoot, I mean, I thought that was going to be bigger and it wasn't. Of course, Marco reveals that it was part of an elaborate setup to help Harding cover up his involvement in all of this. Harding gets shot. It makes him look like, well, Harding gets shot. Marco gets away and it makes Harding look like a hero, um, a decorated hero who's been wounded in the line of duty. And it sort of worked. It threw Kevin off of Harding's scent, threw everybody but Dylan off of Harding's scent. Uh, he is, after all, Paul's son. He's the most perceptive man on the show. Um, so Harding is wounded, um, and it seems like it, that sort of cooled off the investigation for a couple of days. Meanwhile, Marco goes to the cabin. Jack is sort of in this limbo, I suppose. I mean, this guy is on the loose. Nobody knows what he's going to do. And one thing that I really liked and appreciated about this week was the fact that Y&R wove into the story and the show the ninth anniversary of John Abbott's death. And of course, they made, or they, uh, John came back to uh, offer advice to his son in this very difficult time. And I really, I, I appreciate when Jack sees and communicates with his father because it seems to me that John is the representation of Jack's conscience, of Jack's sense of what's right and what's wrong. And a lot of times when we see John Abbott, we're able to see Jack open up about his real feelings and that is what happened. I loved that scene. I loved um, Jack finally letting loose his feelings of betrayal, not just uh, everything that happened with Marco, um, uh, with him, but everything, like his feelings of, why didn't my family know that it wasn't me? Why was Marco able to pass as me? Am I, you know, what kind of man am I that the people in my life thought that I'd be capable of doing X, Y, and Z? And so it was nice to finally see Jack erupt because we have seen Jack at the forefront of storyline for months and months and months. The guy has been tested over and over again in intense situations. And it was good to kind of see him, you know, start to break down a little bit and, and, uh, talk about how he was feeling the the interesting part of the the end of that conversation was that it sort of ended on a vengeful note which seemed um, a little bit out of character for John. John Abbott never seemed like a let's get revenge kind of guy, but it wasn't until um, the end of that conversation that it started to evolve that way. And Jack walked away from that uh, conversation feeling like he needed and wanted to get revenge on Victor. Enter Victor. <laughs> Victor comes into the park uh, j just after this conversation, and they have another talk. I thought these, I mean, these are two sworn enemies. Is, is you know, what's the final showdown between Jack and Victor going to be? Uh, and instead, it was a weird reconciliation. I mean, Jack is constantly saying he'd like to go to the police and tell them everything about Victor, and Victor's constantly blackmailing Jack, saying, well, if you do that, you're going to get extradited and shipped off to some country to face murder charges, and you'll never see your family again. And they come to this conclusion that they're going to just go their separate ways. In exchange for Jack not going to the cops about Victor, Victor just agrees to let Jabot go back to Jack. I, I mean, there was, I thought like in that moment, Jack wanted to rip Victor's face off. And then the, the moment that Victor indicated he was willing to give him back his family business, things sort of calmed down a little bit. I mean, Jack was very happy to hear that. And frankly, I was happy to hear that too. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, they go back to the office immediately, sign the papers, and Newman-Abbott merger is no more. Naturally, everyone in the family is wondering what in God's name is happening here. I mean, uh, no, every, the, all of the walls are starting to close in. Ashley, in particular... And, of course, Nikki are wondering, what is up between these two guys? I mean, what has happened, what has transpired with Marco is so foul. It is so deeply disturbing and wrong, 
especially on Victor's part. And I think Jack was just acquiescing to him in order to get the company back in order, probably to continue to preserve his father's legacy after having just been thinking about him. But everybody else is so confused, and eventually that truth is gonna have to come out. How can Nikki... How will she be able to stand looking at Victor ever again? I mean, at the end of the day, okay, maybe Victor didn't kill Courtney and Austin in cold blood, but he still set this chain of events into motion. And not only that, but as far as Ashley's concerned, she was lied to. She was kept in the dark. It's 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 not a pretty situation at all. I mean, it seems like slowly YNR is trying to undo some of the things that they've done during this Marco madness. <laughs> um, but um, I don't I don't know if we're going to end up back at point A. Um, I don't see how anything is ever really going to be the same again. Um, at the cabin, Marco is there. And of course, uh, I think, what was it? Marissa goes looking for him. She just, I suppose, guesses that he's at the Abbott cabin, I think. I'm trying to remember. Uh, and they have this face-to-face -face showdown, which I also enjoyed because, of course, we get to see Marissa doing what Marissa does best, <laughs> which is lure men into a false sense of security with her sensuality and then dupe them completely. She did it on the ship with that ship's captain. She just brings them in so much smooching on them and then, you know, all of a sudden turns and makes them do what she wants. And I mean, uh, it was like on a dime. She's got Mark. I don't know if she, I don't think she slept with him, right? Did you guys think, I don't, right? Did she sleep with him? I don't think so, but I don't, it was, I, I wasn't exactly sure how we got from uh, alluring into him being tied to the bed. Maybe he thought it was all part of a, a a sex game or something. Maybe I missed, maybe I blanked out uh, during that part, but all of a sudden we come into a next scene and Marco's tied to the bed with both of his wrists. I mean, how many times does poor Peter Bergman have to go through this being tied to a bed? He was tied to a bed with Kelly. Um, he was, he spent, uh, he spent some time in a hospital bed at, uh, at Memorial with Victor standing over him with a pillow. And now here uh, he's tied to the bed yet again what is it with YNR and being tied to the bed um Marissa has, however, managed to kind of make him indisposed, and you know she's she had some great liners, and and you know I think that Marissa's character has been questioned over and over. We're not sure what to think about her in that moment. She definitely did prove her loyalty to Jack, and even though Marco had said some pretty harsh things about, for instance, her relationship with Noah, um, she 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 passed the litmus test. She um. I think maybe she does question whether or not a relationship with Noah might work, but I didn't. I got the impression from that scene that her feelings for Noah are a hundred percent genuine. I do seem to believe that. I don't know if um, if you guys are still suspicious of her or not, but the fact that Marissa had Marco indisposed allowed us to get our classic soapy two twins coming face to face showdown moment, which. I thought was great. It looked it looked great. Jack and Marco come face to face for the very first time. Marco's tied to the bed. Jack is seeing him. I mean, right? I don't know. I don't think they've ever really is that the first time they've come face to face, certainly on screen, but ever? Is that is that right? Um I, I just I thought Weiner did a great job visually with that. I bought it completely. I mean, there was a weird moment. I think since um like I've been I bought into the whole twin thing right away. Uh as soon as it was starting to be established that it was happening. So I've sort of been forced through my suspension of disbelief to just believe there are two Jacks. And there was definitely a moment where at first it almost didn't register with me <laughs> that there were two different people. I know that's really weird, but I guess I at the first moment it almost didn't even seem odd to me that they were both in the same room. And then I, I, I you know, it took me a split second before I realized, oh, that's a camera trick. <laughs> oh, um, but it was only a split second, I promise. Um, I thought it was a good face-to-face. -face. Uh, <laughs> I had to laugh because uh, Marco was more Spanish than 
Never. I mean, he never came. Even in his moments where he was talking with Marissa, he was never that Spanish. All of a sudden, in order, I think, to distinguish between the two Jacks, he had the like such a thick Spanish accent. It was uh, it was borderline hilarious. I I had to really kind of focus to not, or I, I had to focus to not focus on it because it was a little bit over the top. Uh, but I liked seeing. Jack and him uh, have their words. I liked hearing Marco try to talk his way out of this compromising situation. And in fact, he said to Jack, hey, you know what? I am not the bad guy here. I didn't kill those kids. You know, I'm not the one that had you kidnapped and uh, put up, put away on a, on a desert island with a crazy lady, which I think was an important part to make. And maybe as viewers, we've been looking all along for one single bad guy when really it is a combination. I mean, no, I mean, Marco's to blame. Victor is to blame. Um, Harding is to blame. There's just no one one bad person. But I loved, (laughs) loved the line where Jack just looked at Marco and said, oh, but you're forgetting the one thing that you did do. You slept with my wife. And I I loved that at the end of the day, Jack seems completely ticked off about everything that happened with Jabot, everything that happened with uh, Victor. But the thing that makes him the most sick is the fact that Marco violated his wife, and rightly so. I loved that he seemed just seething with anger. It was, a you know, just a great performance on Jack's part. Um, and frankly, it was a really great performance uh, as uh, as Marco as well. I mean, it's it's it, it's always it's weird because we see Peter Bergman constantly being this one character. And when it turned and Marco started going on about how much he was relishing living in his life and sleeping with his wife and sort of licking his lips and talking about mm, yum yum Phyllis. Oh, I can you know. I mean, you really believed that uh, that he he was remembering being with Jack's wife in that moment, uh, and he had made mention to his hot sister Jack's hot sister and oh Abby and those long legs I mean it was it was vile you know I mean to to have someone talking sexually about the about the women in your life um even you know especially after everything that he did to Phyllis completely amounts to rape uh I it's hard to imagine that uh, Jack would even have been able to stand it that he would have refrained from just murdering this guy right then and there. He certainly had the opportunity. Um, And so did Phyllis. I loved Phyllis coming into the scene and getting her chance to say her piece. Uh, In fact, she she did it after Jack left. Jack, I think, left to go have a conversation with Victor. uh, And there there were a few scenes where Phyllis and Marissa were alone together with Marco, which, um, you know, that, that scene that we saw during last week's show, helped to establish kind of a camaraderie between Phyllis and Marissa as opposed to any kind of rivalry. So the two women are there with Marco sort of double teaming on him, you know, making sure to let him know that what he did was disgusting. And I, I just really... I appreciated Phyllis in that moment. Again, I thought the actress did a great, great job. When she reached out, went to that little kitchenette and pulled out a big old butcher knife, I was like, yes, girlfriend, cut it off. I mean, she she made, it was definitely implied that she, <laughs> that she was threatening Marco by cutting off his member, which is a feeling that I'm sure that you would have if you had been raped by this man, of course, that, that would be like a natural thing that you would want to do. I, I mean, among other things. And she gave him this great speech about how I'm, you know, I'm not the person that you think I am. I'm not this woman that you think I am. You manipulated me on every level. You used my feelings to continue to manipulate me. And, you know, you really you thought, yeah, maybe she will kill him. You know, I mean, they got to get rid of Marco somehow. Uh, and she, she certainly could have she had the knife up to his neck and then she just steps back drops it on the floor and says no 
I'm not going to stoop to your level. I'm not going to let you do anything else to harm me up to and including me killing you. So she had this moment of sanity and decided to not go through with hurting him. I think Jack walked in shortly after that too. And he again is sickened by this man. He actually picks up a bottle and smashes it on the uh, mantle and comes at Marco with this cut up bottle. And I, oh, I want to say Marco was saying, do it, do it. <laughs> he just, Marco was smug the entire time. And, um, and I think he smashed the bottle and then Jack even picked up the knife that Phyllis had dropped on the floor and he said something like well if, if Phyllis might not be able to do this but I can and he comes down with the knife and Marissa stops him as if hearing somebody say stop no very nicely and politely would stop you from like when you're ready to stab but <laughs> he did uh, he stopped and uh, decided not to go through with it and um, then again then enter Victor Victor comes in again and it's it's weird i think next week we're going to get to see like everybody getting their pound of flesh as starting this week we thought everybody getting their pound of flesh from marco and probably beginning next week uh, victor's gonna get his chance so it's it is weird that they all it was almost like a funeral or something everybody's standing there over marco saying all of the things that they need to say um I don't know what's going to happen in the end. Maybe you guys have some theories. I mean, it can go a couple of different ways. I don't think anybody's just going to kill him. You know what's weird? Do you guys, this is random, but do you remember when um, everybody, oh gosh, I can't remember what the circumstance was, but for some reason they kidnapped Adam and had him sort of held hostage at that Abbott cabin, which the set seemed to look a little different. I don't remember what he did. Maybe you guys can refresh my memory, but they had him tied to a chair and everybody was um, sort of getting their pound of flesh from him. It was very reminiscent of that. Uh, but I, I guess at the end of the day, none of the people in that room are going to end up killing Marco. So he's either going to end up going to jail if any of the, the cops can figure, I don't know, they got their hands full, but if any of the cops can figure out that that's where they all are, Marco could certainly go to jail uh or he could escape i don't know what the the end uh the end game is going to be uh, but i'm just glad it's the end Did you guys know that dylan has wanted to be a police officer ever since he was a little kid yeah me neither um so the next day Dylan's a cop. No training, no ceremony, no education, no nothing. Dylan's just a cop. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, it it annoy it, it does annoy me. Um, and I'm just gonna get this out, and then I'm gonna accept it. <laughs> but just so I can put it out there, um, I'm annoyed that Paul would just knight Dylan a cop. Um, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it's kind of insulting to anybody who has actually gone to school to be a police officer to think. And I don't th I don't even think that he's technically a cop yet. Paul said, you know, they're just working out the paperwork, but he has no background, no education, no training, no nothing. And all of a sudden he's just on their hottest murder investigation. And I think, the, again, this is an indicator that YNR did not intend for this to be the story all along because if it were they wouldn't have done it this quickly I mean come on they could have actually zoomed in on Dylan and who he is and had him go through this like uh period where he was maybe not feeling satisfied with his job at the coffee house and he's saying you know I always wanted to be a cop and maybe getting to know Paul and and asking him questions and I'm not saying that we needed to see him go through police academy <laughs> um but uh, I, I think it would have been nice to at least help us believe that this is a passion of his and not just expected to be an overnight thing um so that's reason number one that i'm annoyed by it um the uh, the i mean he's already doing interrogations and stuff like he's he's completely the new head cop like he's paul's right hand and he's investigating harding a dirty cop who 
I mean, I don't know at this point if everybody suspects him of actual murder or not, but no matter what, it is a murder investigation. It's a very... Uh, high-profile case, and Dylan is, like, interrogating and trying to get close with Harding, it just, I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense sense at all. I mean, he was technically doing interrogations a month ago, but it's just, I guess, the okay, the second thing that really annoys me about Dylan being a cop now is I, I feel annoyed that the torch uh, is being passed to Dylan to figure out this whole thing and figure out Harding at the 11th hour when it was Kevin who led the charge uh, against, you know, for all of this, for all of these months. And the fact that Kevin and Harding have had this long-standing rivalry, it should have been, I mean, like, if anybody was going to get knighted as a cop, it should have been Kevin. I mean, they treat him like, oh, you're just a hacker. Go back and do your paperwork. And he has, Kevin has more experience of, of being a cop than Dylan does. And Kevin Kevin has the connection to Harding where it would have been cool to see Kevin being the one to bust Harding out. Kevin should get the payoff. I mean, I know he's not he's not a cop. He hasn't been deputized, but I also kind of feel like Kevin got minimalized within this story just as Dylan got pushed into the forefront. Like, all of a sudden, Harding gets shot, and Kevin just says, yeah, you know, you're probably cool, Harding. Sorry I didn't... Sorry I, I, I suspected you of being anything other. And, and and then he just kind of gets pacified until Summer starts to magically remember what happened the night of the murder. Oh, yeah, by the way, I did see Harding there at the cabin. Oh, my gosh, how could I have forgotten that? And then all the kids get back on the case and they're trying to figure out that it's um, that it's Harding. And of course, the information is flowing back and forth and slowly, basically everybody in town is figuring out that Harding uh, is the dirty cop and that he was involved in the murders. Everybody's figuring it out before Harding and before the actual police are. And on top of it all, the number three thing that I find annoying about the fact that Harding uh, or that Dylan is a cop now is the fact that it is extremely, extremely irresponsible of Paul to put an untrained guy into this line of fire, especially his son. Why would he want to do this to his son? Yeah, I mean, Dylan has no weapon. He has no training. He doesn't know how to do any of this. You can't, I mean, even if Dylan was like the biggest fan of cop TV shows in the world and he'd read every book in the world, he still hasn't been through any training and he's going into a dangerous situation. Why? It doesn't make sense to me that Paul would do that. It's, 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 it's hard to connect in with this for me. Although I do love, um, <laughs> I do kind of love that Paul is taking it easy. And I think that's sort of the reason, like YNR had Paul, Paul have his heart attack, which allowed Dylan to be the one to come in and, um, and take over the Harding investigation and allow the other characters to shine instead of Paul. I do think it's kind of cute, though, that Chris is forcing him to eat healthy and get on the right track. It's, it's funny, the little uh, glimmers of light that I see. I mean, it's again, it's, it's not usually the action things that that hold my attention the most, but that it was it's like one scene at the athletic club between Paul and Chris and her sort of nagging him, you know, and him saying, I, I can, I'm only eating lettuce, Chris. <laughs> I'm not eating anything that tastes good. I'm being so healthy. Just that tickled me too. I just thought that was such a, a cute little scene. And, and I love seeing Laura Lee Bell and I don't know how in the name of God she looks as good as she does. I mean, shoot, I'm not to be mean or anything, but I hadn't seen Sharon in a couple of scenes, and then she showed up on, or in a couple of days, I guess, she showed up on Friday's show, and something about her, I just, not that it's a bad thing, women age, but I, did, I noticed that Sharon seemed to, you know, I, I've, I've noticed Sharon's age, um, and I'm, I'm getting older, I'm kind of old, I got gray hair all over the place, so I'm not meaning that to be disparaging, um, but I just noticed um, that, you, you know, I mean, we've known Sharon, and I think part of me still thinks of Sharon when she was this angelic, young, uh, f- you know, fresh-faced college girl, and she came onto the scene, you know, the scene on Friday, and I just noted that, uh, you know, noted that, you know, that she has aged, and then to see Laurel Bell sitting there 
looking younger than, I mean, every time I see her, it's like she's aging in reverse. And I can't help but thinking, how in the name of God does she do that? She must have, it, the only thing can be she just must be rich, rich, rich. She just must, must constantly be undergoing spa and face treatments. I don't know, but she look, she'd look great. I just, I gotta give her props for looking so great. And not that Sharon Case doesn't look great. She does. She's, I love Sharon Case. I think she's um, beautiful and wonderful and probably one of my favorite actresses on the show. Uh, so I did enjoy that little moment. Um, and Chris was bringing some reality to the situation, too. She was saying to Paul, why are you putting Dylan into this position? And it's, isn't this real? Let's be honest. Isn't this really more about you and you wanting to be close to him uh, rather than helping out with the case? Because, I mean, frankly, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I mean, and, and months ago, Paul nagging Dylan to stay out of it. You know, you're not trained. You're not a cop. Stay out of the way. All you're doing is getting in the way of my investigation. And then all of a sudden, and out of the blue, because Dylan said one time that he wants to be a cop, uh, Paul just makes him one. <sighs> and just, does anybody know, I I'm pretty sure you have to go, you have to have a four-year degree, right, to be a police officer? You have to have a four-year degree, I think, and you have to go through, like, police academy, right? Am I wrong? Somebody tell me. I need to know. Am, is it, am I making a, a big deal about this? I'm pretty sure you can. Like, I could not just walk. Can, okay, here's the question. Could I just walk in off the street and go be a police officer right now? I don't think so. <laughs> YNR, <laughs> stop trying to pull my leg <laughs> with your fantasy show. Uh, why do I constantly look for reality? I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly looking for reality when there is none. Just stop it, Allie. Stop it. Uh, just enjoy the ride. <laughs> but I like getting fired up about things, though, too. So... The kids are on the case. Everything's getting leaked out about Harding. Um, Noah finds out that Harding might have been the one who killed his fiance, and he completely loses his cool. I mean, against everybody's advice, Noah decides to go confront Harding directly, which is a bad idea on every conceivable level. I mean, not only did it put him in harm's way, I mean, Harding pulled a gun on him. I mean, Noah's straight up totally tipped the hand. I guess that's the bigger issue. He tipped off Harding, which again, interfering with a police investigation in a really, really big way. He tipped off Harding and said, we know you're the killer. And Harding drew his gun on him, super dangerous. And it caused Harding to uh, flee. Um, although before, before he did, um, or he tried to flee, but before that, I will say the thing I enjoyed about that scene, again, is Harding. I think I'm trying to relish my final moments with him because I like the actor and I like the character, but there was a, a brief moment where Noah was saying, you killed my fiance, you hated her. And Harding said, no, I, I, I really, you know, my relationship with Courtney was not that I hated her. I was trying to toughen her up. Um, and, and I, I sort of believe that. I don't know why. I, maybe I am still wanting to think the best of Harding, but he said, you know, I actually admired Courtney and I, I kind of believed him. I believed he was being sincere, sincere. But the fact that Noah tipped him off completely blew it. And by the way, escalated the situation. Noah escalated the situation so much bigger than it ever needed to be. They could have just been quiet and, and slowly did their little, uh, it wouldn't be fun to watch, but they could have done their, their slow investigation. But I mean, it, it just got kicked up completely to another level. Harding flees. He goes to the, I guess it was the rooftop of the athletic club, and he's making phone calls to Marco. He's making phone calls to try to get a fake passport. It's clear that he's going to try to get out of the country, which is probably a good idea for him. Uh, but... Dylan. Dylan is, he's, he's brilliant in his investigation. And I, again, it's, it is so ridiculous that he would go into this situation with, with Harding completely unarmed and completely untrained. So Dylan is confronting Harding saying, I know you're a dirty cop. I know that you did all of this. We know everything. We know exactly who you are and exactly what you did, and you're not going to get away with it. He's trying to get Harding to confess, and which is pointless anyway because he didn't have a recording. There was no. There would have been no evidence. Uh, it wouldn't help the, the to get a conviction just to have him have a conversation with you. Um, and and not only that, but it just also kind of seemed sort of. Um, 
don't know, anticlimactic in a way. Dylan's trying to get Harding to talk about the reason why he did all of this. And Harding comes out and says, yeah, you just got magically turned into a cop. You don't know what it's like to actually go through this. You don't know what it's like to care about helping people and making things better only at the end of the day to realize that you're not really making a difference and you're not really taking home a paycheck and um you know it's sort of it, it sort of started to explain Harding's motivation for taking the bribe from Marco and and he said you know I didn't I, w- I, I wasn't trying to murder anybody I wasn't in it to, for crime or for murder I just I was in it for the money and um you know indicating that it all kind of just spiraled out of control for for there and I, like again that was a great moment inside of that scene because it explained his motivation it explained who Harding was I mean I could have taken a a little bit more a couple more weeks of just like understanding why Harding would do any of the things that he would do because he didn't seem like the kind of guy that would have taken the bribe didn't seem like the kind of guy that would ever kill someone so uh whatever I don't know it was um That was, uh, I guess, the calm before the storm because Paul has found out that Dylan's in trouble. (laughs) And he bursts into the scene and he's got his gun. Like, Harding pulls out his gun on Dylan. Paul pulls out his gun on Harding. And Kevin is wired. He's hacked into the... (laughs) That's hilarious, actually. He's hacked into the um, security cameras at the athletic club so that he can... So that they can watch everything that's happening and listen to everything that's happening. I guess so. I guess maybe that makes more sense than about Dylan trying to get a confession from Harding because they would have had it on tape. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I guess that does make sense. But so Kevin... Like, every... Basically... Everybody in the world is at the police station watching this whole thing go down. I mean, it's, uh, who has it? Noah, Sharon, Mariah, Kevin. They're all standing around, like, monitoring this dangerous, you know, situation going on. Paul's telling uh, Harding, just put down your gun. And Harding's saying, no, I, if you, if, I'm going to shoot Dylan if you don't let me go. Uh, and Paul, you know, again, a, a bad idea. Like, Paul's emotionally invested with Dylan. It's, it's a bad idea to have someone, you know, in a hostage situation that you care about. I mean, it co- totally compromised the, the investigation. I don't know. I watched Dateline last night night and I think that I think that's extra getting getting me fired up about this because this is not the way a police investigation should have been handled um (laughs) I watch Dateline I should be a cop right (laughs) um so anyway Paul uh Paul I think his heartstrings got pulled realized he he doesn't want to put his son in danger even though he completely already did uh and he lowers his gun starts to put it down and give in and uh I, I, I don't know what happened basically just as Harding was going for a move, Dylan just saw he saw an opportunity, and he just reaches in there to to uh, to like move Harding's hand, and shots were fired. I don't know what happened. Everyone back at the police station is going, oh, "No!" Sharon's face is. I mean, Sharon like this whole time is realizing, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." I went to bed last night, and I woke up this morning, and my um, the father of my child's a cop working on the hottest murder investigation in town. Now she's involved uh, watching this whole tape thing go down live and the look on her face is like no, like as if Dylan got shot, which he probably did. I mean... If they pull this crap where, so if, if we come, if I open up on Monday's show and Dylan got shot in the arm, I'm going to be real annoyed. <laughs> the best case scenario, I suppose, is Dylan, Dylan gets shot and then we have all these tearful, oh my gosh, and you know, Sharon's pregnant with his child and who knows what. My goodness. I don't, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm guessing from Sharon's reaction that Dylan's going to have been shot and Paul is going to be wrought with guilt, uh, as he should be. But at the end of the day, does Harding get away or do we get to see Harding go to jail and get, and, and pay for his crimes? Are you kidding me? The mystery feat at Hillary and Devon's wedding was Neil? It was Neil's mystery loafers? I mean, again, that was a total letdown. I'm like, wait, what? I, I, I was expecting some sort of 
twist. Like some maybe other person was going to come in and interrupt the wedding. Neil went out of his way multiple times to say, I'm not even going to be at your wedding. And then boom, and there he is at the end of the, the aisle. Neil, Neil <laughs> interrupted. I mean, straight up interrupted the middle of the ceremony to give them his blessing. Uh, what? I mean, first of all, dude, uh, you could have said everything that you had to say before the wedding or after the wedding. You didn't need to interrupt at the exact, does anyone have anything to say or forever hold up their peace moment. <laughs> and second of all, a blessing? After all of this, after weeks and weeks of him planning his revenge, I had, I mean, the second I saw him at the end of the aisle, I had visions of complete decimation, rivers of blood running down the aisle, and instead he acted like he was officiating the ceremony, the ceremony. you know, I, 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 I just want you both to know that I forgive you. And I wish you happiness and send them off into a, sending them off into a perfectly fairy tale wedding. What? I mean, that, that's, that was more shocking to me than anything, I suppose. And I guess the twist is that there was no twist. I guess. I, well, and you know what? I'm kind of happy. I would have, honestly, I would have rather not seen Neil there, but I am at least happy that Hillary and Devon got their almost fairy tale like wedding. I mean, after everything that's gone on between these two, I'm glad that we got to see the ceremony. I'm glad that we got to see the vows. I'm glad that we got to see the kiss. I'm glad that we got to see the reception. All of those things, it was happy moments, happy, happy moments before the ruin begins. Um, it was, it was great. Uh, I, and of course, the entire time there are, there, you know, we know that Michelle Morgan is, is pregnant. So there are various things uh, blocking her pregnant belly. <laughs> she must have been pretty pregnant by the, the time that she left uh, the show for her maternity leave because um, it seemed like the things that were blocking her were pretty big. <laughs> uh, so that was fun to watch. The, 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 the after ceremony uh, or the reception uh, was very interesting and again surprising because everybody's milling around uh, after the ceremony and Neil comes over to Colin and Colin starts to question him. Um, so I thought you were gonna, you know, use this video that you went out of your way to, uh, to, to, to blackmail Devon. I mean, I thought you were going to use this for something. And Neil puts on this face of complete innocence and change of heart. And he actually makes Colin delete the video off of his phone. And I'm like, so what? That, what, what? That's too good to be true. Is anything ever really deleted? I don't know if, I mean, maybe it was obviously just deleted off of Colin's phone. Doesn't mean that Neil doesn't have a copy of it. And who would believe Colin anyway if, if push came to shove? So now Neil's the only one with any evidence that this whole affair ever happened. Ooh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be real bad. But before the bad because I will talk about that. I want to say uh, some good because I, I really, uh, really appreciated this, the, the, the fact that Esther was at the ceremony with uh, Michael and Lauren and that they talked about and acknowledged Catherine. Thank you. I, I really, I mean, I never really felt connected to the fact that Devon was Catherine's grandson. It never totally gelled with me, mostly because it never totally gelled with me that Tucker was Catherine's son. I always believe it. I'm still in my, I'm going to be an old grumpy YNR fan or, and I'm going to say, no, I'm, I'm, I always feel like Jill was Catherine's daughter, not Tucker as the son. I hated that whole twist. It was dumb. Um, so I, I think that's why I had a hard time connecting, but I liked that YNR took a moment to acknowledge Catherine and uh, the fact that, you know, they said that Devon her grandson is actually living out her motto, I'm going to live until I die. And it was just such a nice moment of um, remembrance for Catherine, for, who's played a very important part in Devon's life, who gave him everything that he has now, uh, practically. Um, 
So I thought that was great. I loved that Michael and Lauren had their very passionate kiss. We're totally on the road to that reunion. And Kane and Lily had a reconciliation too this week. It's sort of weird. Why not broke those two couples up and they're just sort of back together now or at least almost back together now. It's uh, Maybe that was a fan reaction. I don't know what would motivate them to motivate YNR to break up this couple and then put them right back together. So I don't know. Um, but those are two good things. Now the bad things. Uh, <laughs> Hillary and Devon go on their honeymoon. They have this, they've had this romantic ceremony. They have this first passionate lovemaking in the hotel room. I think maybe they were in Jamaica or something. Is that They were some, on an island. I'm sorry, I missed exactly where they were. I want to say it was Jamaica or somewhere in the Caribbean. Uh, but they had their first passionate lovemaking scene uh, in the hotel, it, which, by the way, it feels like YNR just keeps recycling the same hotel room set. Wasn't Weren't Phyllis and Jack just there? Is that going to go? <laughs> um, Hillary and Devon go on this romantic helicopter ride, which makes Devon a little bit motion sick. So they have all of these wonderful activities planned for their honeymoon, but Devon's, he's feeling a little sick, so he wants to lay down, take a nap, let Hillary go off on her own hiking. Ooh, the second I saw that hiking set, I thought, oh, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good. She's got her little backpack on. She's enjoying the sights when out of nowhere, uh, hi, Neil. Hmm. What are you doing here? Um, weren't you just in Genoa City a scene ago? <laughs> it was creepy. There, there was even this um, element uh, of an implied, could there be violence here? Hillary sort of slips a little bit. And, uh, and Neil says, oh, don't, don't slip and fall. <laughs> we wouldn't want you to get hurt. It was, it was creep city, really. <laughs> Neil was really creepy. Uh, and rather than do any kind of physical harm to Hillary, he reveals that he still has a copy of this video on his phone, and he's chosen now to be the time where he wants to show it to her. Surprise! Check out this video of the man you just married having an affair. Uh, it was too convenient. It was too, uh, it was too obvious. It was clear that Hillary didn't even want to dignify what Neil was saying with a response, which was the right reaction. She actually took his phone and flung it into the bushes, uh, and he goes, fishes it out, and, sa and says, oh, no, no, you want to see this. And what followed was actually a great speech. Neil says to her, if you don't take a look at this video right now, you're going to go back to that hotel room. You're going to convince yourself that you're going to be strong and not talk about it and not acknowledge it in any way. But there's going to be a day where you come to me begging to see this video because the doubt, the faith will start that you have in this man that you've married will start to erode slowly. And you're going to need to see this information for yourself. And I loved the layout. I loved the way Neil uh, baited her with this. Oh, you're going to want to know. And it, it's, it was clear that he was sort of trying to enact that those the feelings that he felt uh, of betrayal onto her. And it's interesting that he seemed to really want to make her pay more than Devon, which is strange. I don't know why. Um, it, well, I mean, I guess he was making them all pay, but he really, really dug into Hillary uh, and made her look at the video or, or enticed her enough to look at it on her own. And she looked at it it was such a brief little video, uh, and she she knew. She said immediately, "This is this is a setup or something." I mean, it was so clear, you know, watching it over again, that he was drunk or out of it, or that it was a setup. It was obviously not. Um, I mean, she knew that Devon had been acting strange since the bachelor party, but just looking in his eyes, looking at the facts, I'm sure that you would, you know, you wouldn't want, no woman would want to see that of her, of her new husband, but still, there was obviously something odd about it, obviously strange that there was a video, it was clearly kind of a setup, and there's part of me that thinks that Hillary would know that, that, she, that it's, it reflected more poorly on her opinion of Neil than of Devon. I want to believe that Hillary would have gone back to the hotel room and said, you will not freaking believe who I just saw up on the cliff. Can you even believe your crazy ass dad did this? And let's talk about it. And I would think that Devon would be able to say, yeah, I got to be honest. I don't know what happened. I mean, you would think that a little honesty would just be 
an obvious choice, but it wasn't. Uh, it was, it was, it was just awkward. She ended up um, looking at it and not really believing it, and then looking at Neil and why would you show me this? Why would you? And why would you show me this now? And Neil just said, you know, oh, oh, you mean. You know, you you found out something that you didn't like about your husband after you married him. Oh, well, that must feel bad. Payback's a bitch, ain't it, my love? Payback's a bitch, ain't it, my love? Is Neil's line. Great line. Interesting that he said, my love. Is he still in love with Hillary? And that's why he's chosen this path? Is, it, is that why he maybe even feels a little more betrayed by her than, than Devon? I don't know. Hillary kind of goes off. Presumably she's storming off to go back to the hotel room, but she doesn't show up. Devon's in the hotel room. He wakes up. He's wondering where Hillary could be. He's kind of trying to work with the hotel staff to find out where she could be. And little by little, starting to get a little worried that she might be missing, uh, ask them to go, ask the people to go check on her on this hike, on this, what's supposed to be a guided tour. And this police officer ends up coming back and uh, coming to Devon's room and saying, yeah, actually, we think your new wife is missing. And the, just the tone of the way the guy's talking is starting to sound a little odd. He's saying, yeah, uh, actually, we think your wife's missing because we found this key card uh, this on the hiking trail. It is. It happens to go to this room, and he even swipes the little room key and shows that it came to this room. So it's obviously Hillary's. So we know that she's missing, and the conversation starts to turn where the cop is being real suspicious of Devon and then reveals that, well, we actually have an eyewitness who saw her arguing with a man at the cliffs and now out of the blue, she's missing. And Devon starts to panic, like, well, what, what, you think it was me up there? I mean, he's no dummy, and he realizes right away that this looks suspicious and seems to point at him, which I think is a great, great twist. I'm really happy about this. I think uh, Michelle Morgan, This must we must have seen her final scenes, which I think, by the way, is a beautiful way to send her off on her maternity leave. I like the way YNR did this. I think it's clever. Uh, I, I liked... Neil's reveal, and I and I was I was taken in by I thought it was an unexpected twist that Devon would be under suspicion for this. And if you think about it, all signs really, really are pointing to him. So I I mean I don't know what happened. I don't know how Hillary's key card could have got there. I don't know where Hillary really is. I think there's a little bit of a question of. Could Neil have done something to her? I don't think so. I mean, personally, uh, could she have slipped and fallen herself? Which, by the way, interesting tie-in that Devon's adopted mother, Hillary's, or excuse me, Neil's beloved wife, Drusilla, fell off a cliff <laughs> to her presumed death and never appeared again. So it's it's weird to think that Hillary would have done the same thing. I mean, that's a whole, I could talk about that for a whole hour. I won't. Uh, but I think that's an interesting twist too. So there's a question of could, could she have uh, been harmed intentionally? Could she have slipped and fallen accidentally? Or did she just decide to wipe her hands clean and say, I'm done with these winters, guys. This is too much trouble. I'm out. Um, or maybe you guys have another theory about where Hillary could actually be when she does come back. But in the meantime, I mean, it does make it look like uh, d like Devon would have had a reason to uh, to do something to her, especially given the fact that Neil is now the single holder of that little piece of evidence, that little video, and he could certainly turn around and give that to the cops, now being the ultimate revenge. Not only did he get that revenge on Hillary by showing her the video, but now he's got a little piece of evidence that could send Devon to prison for a long time. Okay.
Okay, let's read some comments. I gotta tell you, there's just a part of me that loves reading your comments even more than watching the show. You guys are so good. Uh, NippyFan100 says, how... Uh, left a voicemail and says, how could Devon be proud of the fact that uh, he's married his father's wife? He's walking around with his head held very high uh, when everybody at that wedding, including Devon and Hillary, were disrespecting Neil just by being there. Even the twins knew that. Um, I really like that comment from Nippy Fan because I think um, it's easy to get swept up in the romance of Hillary and Devon and to move on from the betrayal that really ha that happened there. But it, it's 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 important to remember that Neil has a motivation for disliking these two people and wanting to get revenge on them. And in, in a sense, maybe, you know, everybody else in, in the in the clan who just so easily accepted that Devon and Hillary are just going to get married now and Devon and acting like Devon didn't just swoop in and steal Neil's wife. I mean, Lily and Kane are both there happily congratulating the new couple when a couple months back they were a, a completely appalled by the affair. So I think that's an interesting point. I like it. Um, Aunt Daisy on Facebook says, I see a trial coming. I can't believe no one saw Neil go up the mountain. And now Devon will be accused of harming Hillary. That's the way it looks to me anyway. Neil could even produce the video uh, to make it seem like Devon had a reason to get rid of her. It's hard to believe Hillary would just leave and not let Devon know that she left. So if she doesn't show up on, uh, on the show next week, maybe she did fall or maybe Neil did push her. Either way, it doesn't look good for Devon. I'm kind of wondering if there's not some kind of third... Uh, reason like maybe she fell and got a, a a concussion or maybe she just decided she needs some time alone I'm not sure I have a hard time believing that Neil would have pushed her um, you guys let me know what you think um, oh lots of comments about the Paragon project last week Gina called into my voicemail and said I think Marissa is behind the Paragon Project, which is an interesting point because um, Marissa and Victor, remember, had that weird moment where Marissa revealed that she was an orphan and Victor couldn't possibly understand that. Uh, and it kind of made me think, huh, I wonder if there is some kind of connection or maybe Marissa has some kind of uh, secret revenge plan for Victor. For what reason? I don't know. And maybe that's the reason that she's helping Jack. Um, Michael Anderson on YouTube says, Colin... Kane's dad is behind this Paragon project, which is another great twist idea because we all know Colin's in it for the money. I mean, it's certainly possible that there could have been a financial gain. Um, Granati and Candy on YouTube says maybe Jill can be behind the Paragon project. I hate that they pinned the killings on Harding because at the end of the day, Victor still has blood on his hands. I liked that comment, first of all, because um, I, I agree. I mean, the fact that Harding did the murder does not absolve. Victor of all of the other things that he's done wrong. So, yeah, it's kind of not the world's best ending. But also, I like the idea of bringing Jill back on <laughs> to be uh, involved in the Paragon Project. That'd be great. Uh, Aaron Brody on YouTube says, I think Marco is behind the Paragon Project. Weeks ago, Marco was making all kinds of phone calls to ruin Victor's business and take it for himself. So it seems so obvious that he's probably the one behind it. Although I think it would have been more interesting to see if Ashley would have been behind it. That would have been a great twist if she was involved. I know, I was happier with the idea that it could have been Ashley, but it does seem to be obvious that it would be Marco, right? Um, Mama B on YouTube says, first time leaving a comment. Allie, I love that you do this. I've been watching YNR chat for almost, uh, almost six months now, and I look forward to every single vlog. You do an amazing job. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. I love hearing from first time commenters. Mama B also says, uh, Marco, I think he's responsible for the Paragon project. I seem to remember a scene with him saying that he had plans to take Victor down. I also think he was responsible for Victor finding him. Hmm. I think Marco's a lot smarter than we give him credit for. P.S. Peter Bergman deserves a damn award for his performance, especially for dealing with this horrible storyline. I like that idea because it sort of seemed like Marco was implying that during the whole interrogation that that like that he wasn't initially involved with Victor, but it happened afterwards. I'm like I, I don't I didn't know if he was lying or um, maybe trying to cover up the fact that he wasn't the mastermind behind this. I didn't know quite what to make of that, but I. 
I do like the idea that maybe Marco is a little bit smarting, smarter and more cunning than we've gave, given him credit for. I also, um, it occurs to me that maybe Victor's behind the Paragon Project. Maybe this is all something that Victor cooked up in his mind to justify whatever it was that he was going to enact on Jack and, and the family. I mean, it could completely all be an excuse. Ha! Gary left me a voicemail uh, that said, I feel like we were uh, symbolically sitting together on the couch watching the show, smirking as Marco's true Spanish accent came through. Oh, yes. Yes, we were. <laughs> that was, it was kind of like the funniest moment of the week for me when I started to see it. It wasn't real thick as the scenes began, and the Spanish accent got thicker and thicker as it went on. It was funny. Oh, and then Bobby on Facebook says, all of a sudden... Marissa doesn't have an accent. I noticed that too. I'm so happy I wasn't the only one. It was like Marco got more Spanish. Marissa got less Spanish. She was talking just complete perfect English there in a few of those scenes. Maybe it was just an, an accident. I don't know. But uh, that's kind of funny that you noticed that too. Uh, Beatrice like, left a good voicemail uh, saying, you know, if Victor could just take responsibility for what he did, everything could be resolved with the Marco situation, which is so true. It's, and I think we're going to see it next week, but it's, it's absurd that Victor refuses to take any responsibility for anything that he's done. Everybody else has done so. Everybody else has taken responsibility. It's Victor that continues to elude it, um, which is annoying. Um, Amanda on Facebook says, love Harding. So I was sad to see this turn of events, although I'm in the minority in that I've enjoyed this storyline for the most part. So what do I know? I like this comment from Amanda because, again, um, I, I've felt annoyed with this with the Harding twist. I felt annoyed with the Marco storyline toward the end, but um, you guys keep me balanced because I I know I I, I don't want to get cynical you know and I, and I don't want to not become one of those people that doesn't enjoy the show but watches anyway I mean I love YNR so keep comment and stuff, Amanda, because you guys turn me around real quick. Like, um, if you are enjoying a storyline, please, and, and if you're enjoying a storyline and it seems like I'm not, give me some positivity because I will totally, you know, I'll turn around pretty quick. Um, Nicole left a comment on YRChat.com saying, Allie, you hit the nail on the head with the Dylan becoming a cop story. <laughs> I was a little bit shocked to see that it actually happened the day after you mentioned it on the podcast. Of course, it does make sense since they needed someone to fill Harding's position, and now Dylan has been playing cop for a while. How long do you think it'll be before Dylan is a detective now? A few weeks? Yeah, I think so. It's kind of funny because I didn't... I, I, I felt the same thing. I completely just pulled out of the blue that it seemed like YNR might be transitioning or moving toward Dylan becoming a cop. I never dreamed in a million years that I would say that on Sunday and it would happen pretty much on Monday. That's completely crazy. My So I love that that was just sort of, I was sort of um, impressed with myself a little bit. Now what I want is to feel happy uh, that my other prediction would come true. I would really like it and prefer if now Dylan would sell the coffee house to Kevin and Mariah. Dylan does not need to continue to own that coffee shop. If he if he wants to be a cop, let him go be a cop. But we need to then pass along the torch to someone fun and funky who can run that place. Kevin doesn't belong on the police force anyway. So get him out. He can do independent hacking from Crimson Lice. Of course, then again, he did run it into the ground, basically. He ran it into so far into debt that he had to sell it. So maybe Kevin isn't uh, the major component. Maybe Mariah has been saving up her tips. Maybe she's she's saved away like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in like a box buried in her backyard of her apartment complex or something, and then she just whips it out and all of a sudden has the money. Voila to buy crimson lights. Thumbs up, Wyanar. Let's green light that part of the story. So I had mentioned a week or two ago about the fact that I love making my own soap and lotions and body products, and it wasn't until the words left my lips that I realized it's a strange crossover of interests to have. Soap? 
and soap operas. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, I've been making a lot of it lately, and maybe my YNR chat friends might enjoy having a bar of handmade alley uh, beautiful soap. So I thought, you know what, maybe I'll do a giveaway soap for soap fans. <laughs> uh, I've never even done a giveaway before, but I pulled out one of my precious little bars of soap and I'll put a, a photo um, in here for if you're watching the video um, to show how just beautiful they are, how good they smell. Mm, it's just a little two ounce bar. It's made with coconut oil and olive oil and uh, fragrance. It's fragranced in sweet orange chili pepper. <laughs> this is the one that I'm using, uh, not this particular bar, but I'm using this scent in the shower right now. It smells so good! It's not like an orange that's bitter and smells, uh, smells like a cleaner or something. It's really, really sweet and it's kind of well balanced with this peppery note. I mean, mostly you get the citrus, but I picked it because I think it'd be really good for guys or girls. And I've got a, you know, I got a lot of um, guys and, and girls who watch YNR chat and watch YNR with me. And so I thought you guys might particularly enjoy this one. Um, it just smells so good. And if you've never used a handmade soap, that's it's different. It's somehow like more luxurious. I don't even know the last time I bought a, a bar of soap from a grocery store. Like grocery store bars of soap are kind of, um, they're a lot, they're very bubbly, but they're kind of slimy too. Um, my soaps, um, I, I my recipes that I use are more creamy. Like you can really get up a nice creamy lather with them and you can feel it, feel all the oil and butters on your skin after you use it but that, I mean it doesn't stick around it's not sticky I mean you should try it you should try a, a handmade soap um, and you should try try a handmade alley soap so anyway I thought I would just uh, do a little random giveaway and uh, see if one of my soap friends would like to have this so what I'm thinking is that we could just do quick like email random selection so I'll give you my email address and if you'd like to have uh, a package from me I'll, I'll package it up real cute and real nice and ship it to you anywhere. I don't care if you're within the U.S. or abroad. Um, and uh, I can basically just pick somebody at random and, and send it out and hopefully you will love it. <laughs> so here's how I think it would work. Uh, if you want to just send me an email saying something like, I want to borrow soap, or, you know, just somehow indicate that you're interested, uh, then I'll just do a random selection and I'll announce next Sunday who, uh, who would get it. So if you email me between now and Friday, uh, August 28th, before the end of the day, um, then I will compile everybody and I'll do a random drawing and I'll announce on Sunday uh, who I'll send the package to. It's kind of fun, right? I mean, I don't think I've ever done anything like this so um, it'll be neat um, so here's my email address it's ali a l i at y r chat dot com so a l i at y r c h a t Dot com. Emails only, please, please, please. I don't want to have to go to a bajillion different places and compile everybody's names and everything. So just please send a quick email between now and Friday, and uh, I will uh, find out next week who gets it. Yay! Kind of exciting, right? Okay, you guys, that's it for me for this week. Most importantly, I can't wait to hear your feedback about the show. So you can go to yrchat.com. You can leave a comment on the blog. You can also vote in the polls uh, and see the pictures and all the other stuff that's there. You can, from yrchat.com, find the Facebook page, the Twitter page. Um, you can leave a voicemail through the website, or you can leave a voicemail by calling 309 588-4569. Um, any way that works for you, I love hearing from you guys and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this craziness in Genoa City. <laughs> Alright, I love you and I'll talk to you next time. I'll see you next Sunday. Bye, Soapies!